How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. I wanted him to shoot. Didn't think he would shoot, so I tried to back up as much as I could. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. And today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by Draft, a daily fantasy app where your chances of winning are almost three times better than on FanDuel or DraftKings. Download Draft now or go to playdraft.com and download the app. And be sure to enter the promo code LOFANTASY when you download to get a 100% deposit match bonus up to $600. Today's show is also brought to you by our Patreon sponsor, and that is Varun The Truth. So thank you, Varun The Truth, Mr. Truth. Thank you for sponsoring today's show. If you want to be a Patreon sponsor, head across to patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball. My name is Josh Lloyd, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. If you are happening to watch this live, and I can see that some people are watching live, obviously you are not an NFL fan because I'm recording this. started recording it about 20 seconds after the Super Bowl kicked off because um, the NBA is done for the day. So let's, uh, let's get stuck into this podcast. What we're going to do is look ahead to the week coming up, week 16, pre- review all the three games that happened earlier today, and then look ahead to the big Monday where we've got 11 games up. So... Let's get to it. To it. We will start off by looking at the the games for the week coming up, and that is week sixteen in the NBA. As I just mentioned, we've got a, a rather unbalanced schedule. Probably the best way of of me phrasing that. We start start off with the week eleven games on Monday, as I just touched on, and then we've got a very low three game Tuesday. We go to twelve games on Wednesday. We've got five games on Thursday. Nine Friday, eight Saturday, four Sunday. So when we look for streaming options, there's only three days that really stand out. Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, where they've got three, five, and four games, respectively. What we always like to do in this scenario is look for pseudo back-to-backs. There's not many. There's Tuesday, Thursday as a pseudo back-to-back, and Thursday, Sunday as a pseudo back-to-back. We will cover that in just a sec. Let's talk about weekly leagues first, and we'll see what or how many games each team plays to give you an idea. Now, basically, it's evenly spread between four and three games. You've got 14 teams playing four games, 15 teams playing five games. One team, the Portland Trailblazers, they play two games. So their guys, they're not going to be ideal, but two games of McCullum, two games of Lillard might be better than one of your three-game guys who's the 10th best player on your team. So some of the, some of those players may have use. They're not complete write-offs. They are in, say, eight-team leagues. I would think that's highly doubtful to use a player like that. But in a 12-team league, Lillard or McCullum might actually slot in as being a, a viable option. No one else on the Blazers is going to be that sort of a player, though. If we look at the teams that play four games, the Bulls, the Cavs, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, the Pistons, the Pacers, 
Heat, Timberwolves, Pelicans, Knicks, Sixers, Suns, Kings, Spurs, and Jazz, and the three-game teams. The Hawks, the Nets, the Celtics, the Hornets, Warriors, Rockets, Clippers, Lakers, Grizzlies, Bucks, Thunder, Magic, Raptors, and Wizards. So who's got the best of these schedules in terms of ease of opponents? Well, the Heat have got a pretty good one. They take on the Wolves, the Bucks, the Nets, and the Sixers. So this is the hit, sorry, the, the 10 game winning streak Miami Heat. They've got some, uh, they've got a legit chance to go, to go 14 and 0 in this streak. They can win the next four games. The Wolves, the Bucks, the Nets, and the Sixers, they can win all four of those. Um, which is just remarkable to think of. The Kings have got a good run as well, as do the Cavs, whereas at the back end of the four-team, uh, four-team, four-game teams, that's a better way of phrasing it, the Wolves, the Sixers, and the Spurs don't have ideal schedules for our fantasy purposes. In fact, the Sixers is terrible. The Pistons, the Spurs, the Magic, and the Heat, that's a terrible four-game run. With the three-game teams, the Wizards have the best run of it, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Indiana, uh, and, the, and the worst of them, we look at the Warriors and the Raptors. The Raptors take on the Clippers, the Wolves, and the Pistons, while the Warriors have the Bulls, the Grizzlies, and the Thunder. Let's talk daily changes leagues and, and trying to make use of how we can um, how we can better better utilize the um, the streaming situation. I guess is the best way of putting it. Now, normally when I look at it, I talk about eight game teams or days with eight games on it or less being good days for streaming. So we, we can look at Thursday, we can look at Tuesday. Saturday is an eight-gamer, so that's borderline. You can probably stream in on Saturday and four games on Sunday is is a no-brainer. The problem with the way that this week set out is there's not many pseudo back-to-backs. Now, Saturday, Sunday is a, is a back-to-back of low-volume games that you could use. The problem is no team plays a Saturday-Sunday back-to-back. Some teams do play that Thursday-Saturday pseudo-back-to-back. We'll get to that in a sec. Let's talk talk about the Tuesday-Thursday back-to-back. And when I say pseudo-back-to-backs, it's because you can add someone for Monday. They won't play. There's 11 games on. You could add someone for Wednesday. They won't play. There's 12 games on. They're going to sit on your bench. So you add someone for Tuesday, and then they play against Thursday. That's two games for one addition. So there, there is five teams that have that Tuesday, Thursday back-to-back. The Mavericks, the Hornets, the Rockets, the Magic, the Blazers. So there's some value in some of these players. Yogi Ferrell, we don't know if he's going to be, um, if he's going to be playing. We don't know if Darren Williams is playing, but he might be someone to look at. Do you look at a guy like Salah Mejri, Dwight Powell, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith for the Mavericks, perhaps? For the Hornets, Miles Plumley. Maybe Marco Bellinelli, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. These guys, you know, Brian Roberts might get you eight assists for, for one addition, which could actually be useful even in shallower leagues. The Rockets, Sammy Decker, Nene, those guys could be useful. Orlando, plenty of guys. You add CJ Watson. Do you look at Biombo if you need some defensive stats? And these are guys that I don't consider must-own players, but when you're looking at, hey, let's make the most and let's get volume of games and volume of stats in, that might make sense for you. For the Blazers, yeah, Mo Harkless might have been dropped. Fine, rightfully so, but add him back in for these two games that they've got coming up on Tuesday, Thursday. Evan Turner is going to be a good guy to add in that situation. Do you look at Ed Davis? There's a couple of guys you can look at. Now, as I said, the Thursday, Sunday, sorry, Saturday, Sunday, there's no one playing, but Thursday, Thursday, Saturday, which is another pseudo back-to-back, you might get some use out of. We're talking Cleveland. We've got Utah. We've got Dallas again. So Dallas has, in fact, got... You can get three games 
from one addition, which is obviously fantastic value. Philadelphia, Charlotte, another team that's got those three for uh, three for one addition. Um, the Thunder, the Magic, and rounding it out with the Celtics. So there's a lot of options for that back end Thursday Saturday scenario where you can stream players in and use you know use two games for one edition so that's a that's a good way of looking at that weekly schedule that's coming up all right time to tell you a little bit about today's sponsor and that is draft you know i know you love playing fantasy basketball that's apparent you're listening to this podcast and if you're listening to it live you're listening to it while the super bowl is going on so congratulations we know you love playing fantasy on draft it's a very fun, a very new way to play daily fantasy. It's a simple daily fantasy app where it's snake drafts. It's not salary cap. It's not everybody in your little contest can have the same player in. There can't be a guy that's standing out as being, oh, this is the best value play of the day. Everyone get on this guy. There's no ownership percentage like this. It's unique. Each lineup is unique. You do a snake draft exactly like you would have done at the start of the season in your seasonal leagues. So drafts are a very interesting way to play daily fantasy. You can play for free, or better yet, you can play for money, and the chances of you winning are so much higher than on some of those other sites which have salary caps. Go ahead to Draft, search in your App Store, iTunes, App Store, Google Play Store, search up Draft, and it will come up. But when you go do that, do it, sign up, and use the promo code LOFANTASY. Because when you use that promo code, any deposit that your first, sorry, your first deposit that you make, you get a 100% match deposit bonus up to $600. So you put in $200, the nice fellows at Draft will give you $200 as well and put it into your account. You put 600 bucks in, they will give you 600 bucks as well. You put 100 bucks in, they give you 100. You know, you understand the pattern now. So that's what Draft's all about. It's it's a great way to play daily fantasy. Go in there with the Snake Drafts, get one of the best match deposit bonus in the business, if not the best, and do it all whilst, while supporting this podcast. So use that promo code. Make sure you use that promo code LOFANTASY, whether you're downloading it through your phone or going to playdraft.com and using that promo code there and using using that fantastic match deposit bonus that the guys at Draft are giving all listeners to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. So go check out draft.com or playdraft.com or search Draft in your app store and start playing daily fantasy in a different way. The monstrous line of the night goes to Big L Horford of the Boston Celtics. Al was uh, Al was huge, really. He only had 13 points and the shooting wasn't great from L, 4 of 13. But it's what he did in those other categories that really helped. Three triples, 15 rebounds, six assists, two steals, two blocks, and he hit both of his free throws. Really some good numbers from Al. Now, he has been a little bit down. He is the 27th ranked player this season, but over the last month, he's 46th. And part of that, or not part of it, a massive part of that is because he hasn't been shooting well. Over that time, he's under 44% from the field, and he has, in fact, seen his field goal percent tumble this season. He was a 54%, well, his last four seasons in the NBA, 2013 14, 57%, down to 54, down to 50, down to 46. And it's not just because he's taking more threes, because if you look at his true shooting percentage, it's gone from 59 to 56 to 57 to 54. So the efficiency has dropped because, yes, he is taking more threes, and, yes, he's hitting them at 34%. But the dip in his overall two-point shooting is large enough to make make him a less efficient player than what he has been really at any point in his career. 
But what he is doing is he's blocking shots at a phenomenal rate, 1.7 for the year, which is well up on, on the blocks he did last year. But also, that's part of the reason why he's slumping, and that's why he's you know, down to almost the 50th-ranked player over the last month, because he's down at 1.1 blocks. Instead of 1.7, he's at 1.1. Big difference. He's not a big rebounder. In fact, he's been a horrible rebounder, 6.8 per game this year, and his scoring has come down as well. Do I think that he gets back to the top 30? Yeah, maybe. I wasn't overly keen on him heading into this season. Uh, a lot of people were taking him early 20s, maybe late teens. I was definitely not on board with that. Um, I think he just settles as a, as a 30 to 40 ranked sort of a player. He's 27th at the moment. He needs to get that shooting percentage back up and those blocks back up to really start challenging to push back and, and, and stabilize himself as a top 30 guy. Otherwise, he's going to fall out of that zone. But a huge performance here. Did it all defensively. Which is great. You get those. Yeah, that's that's even better than a Richie Benno when you have three triples, two steals, and two blocks. Really good stuff from Big Al Horford. The waiver wire line of the night goes to Jamal Crawford of the Los Angeles Clippers. Crawford dropped in twenty three points in that same game. Had three triples, two rebounds, five assists, three steals. He went eight of eighteen from the field and four of four from the free throw line. Amazingly, over the last two weeks, Jamal Crawford is the fifty sixth ranked player. He is playing 32 minutes a night, and it's coming because he is shooting the lights out. He is a 49% shooter over that time. For the course of the year, he is under 40% from the field. So we've seen a massive, massive leap, and that is definitely fueling this increased rank. You're seeing his three-point output double. He's scoring gone from 12 to 18 points. His assist rate has gone up as well. He's doing doing it all, but based on huge increases in his shooting percentages, which knowing Jamal Crawford, He's not continuing to shoot at 50%. His last four th- four seasons, including this one, 42, 40, 40, 40. There is last three, four seasons field goal percentage. So he's currently running at 49% in the last six games. That won't continue. So that means his points drop, his threes drop, his overall output drops, and probably, not probably, definitely takes him out of being a standard league player for now. He's definitely worth a look if you just need some points and some threes, but be aware that a lot of this is fool's goldish, and he's not going to be able to continue shooting at this rate. It just, It's just not Jamal Crawford, and no one should expect it from Jamal Crawford. The guy is washed up. He's having a very nice little run, and it is resulting in some good numbers, but it is completely uh, misleading, I guess, as we look to it long-term as to whether that can continue and he can maintain a top 50 player. I think there's pretty much zero chance of that happening. The young gun of the night, it wasn't easy to find a young gun of the night on this three-game slate. So what what I do, and just, just to make the award actually appear, we give it to Rondé Hollis-Jefferson because he was the best first or second-year player on the day. But that's not saying much on a day where he has 6.6 rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. It's not a terrible performance, but it's not brilliant. Over the last week, he is pushing towards the top 110, but... He just isn't getting enough consistent minutes. Only saw 20 minutes today and 20 minutes in the last game, despite starting and playing 30 minutes in his first game. This is what Kenny Atkinson's going to do. That's why Karis LeVert is is a risky proposition. That's why, at the moment, owning Hollis Jefferson is a risky proposition. Because Atkinson's just not going to give them big minutes or consistent enough minutes to make them worth owning. I reckon in most 12-team leagues, you're probably going to be able to find a better option than Rondé. Um, especially if his minutes get jerked around like this. And if he sees 20 a night, then there's no way that he is maintaining enough value to be a 12-team league guy. If he gets 28, then sure, you can get those boards, you can get those steals. But in 20, 
It's not going to be enough. It's going to be one that you leave for the very, very deep leagues. All right, let's talk about the dud of the night. JJ Redick wasn't a great night for Redick. Six points with four rebounds, one assist, no peripheral stats, and he was two of nine from the field. He has been... I guess a disappointment this season. He's the 103rd ranked player for the season. He's stepped it up to 94th over the last month, but he had an opportunity. And in the past, when he's had opportunities, when Blake has been out or when Chris Paul's been out, he steps up and becomes a top 50 guy. That just hasn't happened for him this season. Yes, the minutes have been up a little bit recently, but he's not shooting the ball well, just 42% over the last month. And that's the real benefit of Redick, a guy that scores and hits a lot of threes, but does it at 48%. This year, he is at 45% from the from the field, and he saw his shooting percentage, his true shooting, come down from 63 to just under 60. So his efficiency is dipping, and that's to be expected for a guy that's his age, I guess, and you know, just he, he's getting up there in age. He still should be owned in most leagues. If you're in an eight-team league, JJ Redick is not a must-own player. In a 10-teamer, yeah, probably is, but he's providing really threes, and that's it. And a lot of the time, you can just stream them, man. You could just add Jamal Crawford. You can get threes from lots of areas. So don't consider him totally untouchable, especially in 12-team leagues. Uh, sorry, especially in 10-team leagues. Don't consider him untouchable. Don't consider him an absolute lock to play because realistically, his value is coming from, yeah, marginally from free throws, but majorly from the three-pointers. And that's a category that can easily be uh, achieved by useful streaming options. All right. Let's move on now to to break down these games in a little bit more detail. The first one we're going to take a look at, we're going to talk the Toronto Raptors. They took on the Brooklyn Nets. Some interesting interesting stuff happening in this game, I guess. Still no DeMar DeRozan. So we had Norm Powell starting again. Wasn't Norm's greatest night, but he played 33 minutes, 10, 6, and 3 with a block. Wasn't a great shooting night from Norm where he went 5 of 14 from the field, but you know what I think of Powell. I think he's a very, very good player that needs to be starting somewhere, but that's just not going to be in Toronto, and his run is going to run out pretty soon. Kyle Lowry did play, got a triple-double, 15, 11, and 11, and played 39 minutes. On a night when he's ill, and you're playing the Brooklyn Nets, and you give Corey Joseph the night off for a mental blow, whatever that means. Um, just seems odd management, especially with the history of Kyle Lowry, with the minutes adding up and the, I won't say inevitable because it's not inevitable, but the potentially inevitable, maybe that's a better way of phrasing it, breakdown that occurs for him in March, in April, in May if they get that far. There's no reason to play him 39 minutes in a February game against the net so you, and you, so you can give Corey Joseph the night off. It's poor management. Very, very poor. Damari Carroll had one of his better games, 15-5-1 with two triples, three steals, and a block. Uh, a good night from Damari, but it's not enough for me to say, um, yeah, go go back and grab him, his back or anything like that. He just doesn't... He just doesn't seem like he's really going to do this consistently enough. Or Terry Ross had a big game, 17-3-2 for Rossi, with three triples in 26 minutes, but that came on 64% shooting. And you can talk about J.J. Redick. Like, if you want to stream someone in for threes, like Terrence Ross can almost give you the similar sort of... um, Similar sort of numbers that in that three column that Reddick can do. And Reddick's value as being a three-point contributor who's a 48% shooter is not there anymore. So that's what I mean. If you're looking at Reddick as just a three-point guy, then Ross could be one of those streaming options. 
There was no Pat Patterson as well, so Jonas Valanciunas, he played very well. It's only got 26 minutes, battled some foul trouble, 22-5 and five for JV with a steal. Good night from him, while Bebe had 8-5 and five with two steals and a block in 22 minutes, because of course we had to get Pascal Siakam 29 minutes. I don't know why, 6-6 six and six for Pascal with a steal. You know, we'd look at him in basically no leagues. Or Freddie Van Vliet, that's two big games in a row for Van Vliet, so I'm not 100% sure I'm buying the Corey Joseph mental blow, because in the last game, Van Vliet played ahead of him. And Joseph played just six games, six games. He played just six minutes in that game. So I'm not really sure what's going on with Joseph and with the way they're using it, but that's two good games in a row for Van Vliet. Two of 10 shootings, not good, but 10, three and four in 20 minutes is definitely something that we should keep our eye on. Over on the Nets side of things, Karis Levert was out. Yes, he was out with, um, rest or knee soreness. So rest. And this is why owning him, I love Karis Levert. And this is why owning him is going to be really tough to do. He's going to be inconsistent. The minutes given to him are going to be inconsistent. He is going to sit out games. You can probably do better than him in 12 team leagues. Sean Kilpatrick turned in his second straight strong game, 18 and five with five triples and a steal. Not enough to make me say he's a must-own guy. 20-7 and seven for Brook Lopez with two blocks, while Trev Booker off the bench had a big game. 15-10 and 10 with three steals. That's two big games in a row for Booker coming off the bench. Still just more of a 14-team league guy, but it's a situation to watch. The point guards, once again, Kenny, Kenny Atkinson sticking to script with giving more minutes to the backup. Spencer Dinwiddie had seven points with three assists and a triple one in 21 minutes. Isaiah Whitehead played 15 minutes and had two points. Neither of these guys... Uh, standard league players, and they will continue to be jerked around. 13 points for Boyan. He had three triples. That's great. Stream him for threes. That's really all that, that he is at this point. He's nothing more than that. He doesn't offer anything else to teams, I don't believe. The next game we take a look at, the Clippers and the Celtics. Doc Rivers going all uh, sentimental. Started Paul Pierce in his last trip back to Boston. That moved Ray Felton to the bench, but this doesn't change anything with with this rotation moving forward. Pierce started, played five minutes, hit a three, and did nothing else. He's going to go back out of the rotation. I've got no... And sometimes I'll say, you know, how do you start a guy who isn't in the rotation? You know, my standard bullshit, but this is fine. You start Paul Pierce, you let him come onto the court as a starter against the Celtics... And then you just say, you know what, Paul, just pack it up for the rest of the year, mate. We won't we won't need you again. And that's pretty much exactly what's going to happen. As for Felton, he came off the bench. He played 25 minutes. He would have got those extra five minutes Pierce had, and that would have been his 30. 16, 5, and 4 with three triples for Ray. He's playing very well at the moment. You know, he's fine to own in 12-teamers, while Blakey Griffin had 23, 8, and 4. Uh, DeAndre Jordan wasn't awesome, six points, but had 16 boards, wasn't his best night. He normally does quite well against the Celtics, and Austin Rivers was stinky. One of eight from the field for Rivers for five points, but he still got the 34 minutes. He still had five assists, and he still had three rebounds. So a decent night from Rivers. It wasn't decent in terms of he got the minutes and he got the assists, but obviously the, the five points and the one of eight scoring is terrible. He needs to be owned still. On the Celtics, Isaiah Thomas... Cool down a little bit, which is to be expected. 28 points on 39% shooting, three triples, eight assists, one steal, and two two rebounds. When I say, and I say it all the time, and you might not always hear it, but when I say Isaiah Thomas is going to regress, this is more what I think he will regress to. I don't think he comes out and scores 16 points and has two assists, and that's what he becomes. I think he goes from being 40 points at 60% shooting to maybe 25 points at 42% shooting, 43% shooting. That's where I think he regresses to, and that's 
sort of a sign here. He only went 27% from three. And this is the regression that I have warned against with Thomas that will come. But again, it's not meaning that he's going to become terrible. It just means that he won't be historically um, unparalleled, which is what he has been. Jay Crowder was decent, 11 and 6 with three triples. And, not, not decent, that's good. 11 and 6 with three triples and three steals. While Kelly Olenek chimed in with his semi-regular good game. 13 and 4 for Olenek with a three, a steal. But he's going to go back to doing nothing. He's a good 14 to 16 team league guy with the definite potential for other leagues, but he just won't play enough there. Still no Avery Bradley, so Jalen Brown, he started again. 11 and 3 for Jalen in 25 minutes. He's been impressive in streaks in this uh, in this little starting run, but hasn't been really doing enough for us to be overly concerned about in fantasy, while Marcus Smart had 13, 3 and 3 with three triples. I saw a stat today that out of every player who has played or has taken a 1,000 field goal attempts in the three-point era, Marcus Smart has the second worst field goal percentage ever. He's a punt field goal percentage guy, but he does so many other things for this team. But that shooting is horrific. 28 minutes to Amir Johnson, 13 and 6. He got some extra run because Jonas Sherepko copped a smack in the nose, and he only lasted 10 minutes. The last game of the night, the Portland Trailblazers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Lillard had 29 and 7 with four triples of steel and two blocks. Did it inefficiently, but still did it. So a good night from him, while CJ had 19 and 8, but that came on 47% shooting with two triples. McCullum has been ridiculously efficient this season. Alfaruk Aminu got his 32 off the bench, only scored 7, but you're not owning Aminu for scoring. You're owning him for the 3, the 7 boards, the 2 steals, the 1 block. He is fine as a 12-team league player. While Mo Harkless, I think he's going to be stuck in this low 20s role. 22 minutes for Mo, 6 and 3 with 2 steals here, while Evan Turner played 26 in the start and went 8, 3 and 2. When I talked about them earlier, you can stream them in with that nice yeah, pseudo back-to-back they've got coming but neither Turner or Harkless are guys that uh, are absolute locks for 12-team leagues. Alan Crabb scored 10 points and did nothing else, while Mason Plumley fouled out and had 13-4 and four in his 29 minutes. On to the, uh, onto the Thunder, Russ Westbrook, 42-4-8, and eight, and did it with brilliant efficiency, but he wasn't the best player on his team in terms of fantasy output because that went to Andre Robertson. Yes, Andre Robertson played 36 minutes. 14 and 11 with three steals on 75% shooting. You can chalk this one up to the biggest fluke out there. The steals, fine, he gets them. He's a very good rebounder. Doesn't get 11 very often. But he also, this is the first time he's scored this many points since, I don't even know, since start of December. It's been a long time. He does not score and he does not do it this efficiently. He is a guy that you stream in for defensive stats as a specialist and you leave for deeper leagues. Vic Oladipo was also real good. 24 and 13, three assists, two steals, two blocks. He's been infuriating this season, but he just shows these little flashes where you go, shit, this is what I thought he could be on a consistent basis. And what we're seeing here is that he can do it even when Westbrook goes big. 42 for Westbrook, 24 for Oladipo. Like he can do all this stuff, but it's been a long process. Now, I talked about the other day when you're replacing Ennis Cantor and what Billy Donovan's doing, that he played Sabonis big minutes one game, Jeremy Grant big minutes the next game, and Joffrey Laverne big minutes the next game. And I said, well, just as likely we're going to go back to getting 30 minutes of Sabonis. DeMontis Sabonis played 34 minutes in this one. So it legitimately just feels like a rotation system 
I don't know if it will continue, but if Jeremy Grant plays 27 or 28 in the next game, then I can feel pretty confident about it. Sabonis had 34 minutes. He wasn't awesome. Zero of six shooting for two points is not awesome, but six boards and two blocks is nice. But there is no way that I can say categorically he will retain the 30-minute role because they've just rotated that role between him and Laverne and, um, and Jeremy Grant. Now, Laverne played 17 minutes, went seven and nine. Wasn't a great night, but he was coming off a, a pretty big performance while Steve Adams had 7 and 13 in 38 minutes. Adams' minutes have gone up recently as well, so that's great. If you own Big Steve, all right, let's take a quick break. Just get ourselves, our, my mental state transformed into Monday's games, and then we'll be back to talk all DFS action that's coming up for Monday. All right, guys, we're back. Let's talk perfect DFS from Sunday. On Fangel, Russ Westbrook, 54.8, and Dame Lillard at 46.9. The shooting guards, Jamal Crawford, 37.9, and Victor Oladipo, 48.1. At small forward, Damari Carroll, 29.5, and Andre Robertson, 34.7. At power forward, Trevor Booker, 35, and Blake Griffin, 36.6, and Al Horford rounds out at center at 46 for a total of 369.5, and that's $60,000 worth. On DraftKings, Russ Westbrook, 57.5, Jamal Crawford at 40, Carroll at 31.25, Booker at 38, Al Horford at 50.75, Dame Lillard at 49.75, Robertson at 36.75, and Oladipo at 52.75 for a total of 356.75 points, and that cost $49,100. Now, there are 11 games on, so we've got lots of choices for DFS coming up for Monday's action. Let's start with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Washington Wizards. There is no spread for this one. I mean, um, let's let's try again. It's even. It's a pick'em. There is no favorite in this game, which is odd to me, given it's Cleveland. But Washington's playing that well. The total is a very nice two hundred and twenty points. Kyrie Irving, who missed the last game with right quad soreness, we've got him listed as questionable at the moment. Who knows if he is going to be ready to play. If he is out, then LeBron and Kevin Love get very big usage bumps and become solid high-end price point guys. Yeah, other players you can punt on, maybe like a DeAndre Liggins or an Iman Shumpert, but neither of them become must-own guys. It's all about Love and James in that situation. We will assume that Kyrie plays this one, though. At point guard, Kyrie is at $8,600. Too expensive, in my mind, in a matchup against John Wall. Um, he just hasn't been hitting that number really at all lately, averaging just 39 points over his last five games. It's just nowhere near nowhere near value there. Now, over on DraftKings, he comes in at 8,000. He's getting closer to that sort of a value. So I don't hate it. I would consider him a GPP player at that sort of a price tag on DraftKings. Um, but the John Wall defense definitely turns you off just a little bit. So I think you can do better than Kyrie with you know, 10 other games on. Johnny Wall at 10,600 has been putting up numbers consistently. He's got a great matchup against Cleveland and Irving. He's averaging over 50 across his last three. And he's coming off a 55-pointer in the last game for the Wizards. Can he make up 10,600's worth of value? Yeah, he can. Will he do it? Mm, that's the other story. Now, on DraftKings at 10.5, I'm less interested with him at that price over there. He's been playing well, obviously, but that's that's quite a high price. On Fangio at 10-6, he is okay, but it doesn't it doesn't seem like he's one of the best options on the board. But definitely, if you've got that extra cash and you feel like, oh, I'm going to get 50 out of my point guard, then he can be that player that does that for you. 
at shooting guard. Brattles Beal has been off the boil a little bit lately, just 20 points in the last game and averaging only 30 across the last five. The matchup for him is good. Doesn't have a great record against Cleveland, averaging just 26 across the last three, but I think that you should consider him here. He's at 6,800 over on DraftKings as well, so he's got some value there. The shooting guards for the Cavs, Shumpert and Korver, it's really hard to, to get on board with those guys. Small forward, we've got Otto Porter. Is at 6,400? Love Otto Porter. He just is not giving us anywhere near $6,400 worth of value. I can't see that being worthwhile. At 6000 on DraftKings, you might consider it, but then you would also look a bit closer and go, there's many other options that are going to provide better numbers for me. Kelly Oubre are likely is getting more minutes, but he's providing no stats. So on a shorter slate night, you'd punt him into a GPP, but there are just way too many other options that are, that are worthwhile. James at 11200 it's pretty high. There are so many other guys out there that maybe spending 11000 on LeBron is not going to be the smartest idea. He's at 10-4 on DraftKings. Not bad on DraftKings. I, I, don't, I definitely don't love it. And you're still wanting him to get 55 or so over there. And I'm just not 100% sold. Now, if Kyrie is out, I would look into it a little bit more. But that is a big chunk of cash for LeBron. Now, he is super consistent. So he's very, very useful in cash because you know you're not going to get an absolute turd out of him. And you're probably, look, his lowest score in the last five with Fangio scoring has been 46. So that's not busting up a cash lineup if he, if he has a bad game. A bad game is is almost 50 but not sure that he's getting to the $11,000 heights that, that he might need to be. But he's still a very, very good player, as you're, as you're well aware. Kevin Love at 7600 I like that even more so if Kyrie is out. He dropped 41 in his return in the last game. I wouldn't be all over it if Irving plays, but if Irving is out, it's fine. 8200 for him on DraftKings, that's a no-go if Irving plays. It's too high for Kevin Love over there, I believe. If Irving is out, I would look at it. I would probably more look GPP just in case he gets relatively hot, but it's yeah, he's not a must-play at that sort of an elevated price. 7200 for Markeith Morris has been playing well, but 7200 is just too high. I like what he's been doing. I feel like nearly everyone in this game is, is overpriced. So it's not a great DFS contest. Despite the, the total being high, everyone's price is just so high. At center, marching Gortat at 6,700. If it wasn't the Cavs, I'd be much more uh, happy with it because we know the Cavs can suppress the output of centers. But Gortat's on a real roll at the moment. And I would feel all right about giving him a run. At 6,100 on DraftKings, same. I think that he's he's definitely worth looking at. The dude's averaging 40 points over the last five. And yes, the Cavs are traditionally a hard team for centers to play against. But recently, they have been given players like Gortat a bit of a boost. So you can consider him. Tristan Thompson's a tough one. He's been up and down. He's at 5,400 on Fangio. I want nothing to do with him at that price. At 46 on DraftKings, yeah, maybe. But... In general, no. All right, next game we'll take a look at. We've got the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are taking on the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers are favored by four and a half, and the total is 210 and a half points. I don't think that Thaddeus Young plays with that wrist issue. The x-rays came back negative, but there's a lot of swelling in that sprain. I would be stunned if he played. Rod Stuckey is the other one that is questionable with an ankle sprain. He has no real impact. Now, if Thad is out then we're going to be looking at Lavoie Allen, who is still a minimum-priced player. 
if that is out, Lavoy Allen becomes one of those guys that I would get into my lineups and try and build around. Uh, he's at 3,700 on drafting, so not quite minimum. Well, he was minimum, and they bumped him up 700 bucks, but that's still value there. So if that is out, Lavoy Allen becomes a, a very big target. We know the Thunder play big. So going with uh, Allen and Miles Turner front courts is not going to be a problem against the Thunder. So Lavoy Allen, if if that is out, is going to be a guy that I would look to lock in a lot of my lineups in that case. I, I feel relatively confident about it's been two games without Thad Young and two lots of big minutes for Lavoy, and he hasn't let them down. Plus, it's the big matchup. I can't see what other direction they go. They won't go Kevin Serafin. They won't go Al Jefferson playing CJ Miles. There could be a disaster against the Thunder. So I don't, I don't see them going that, uh, that other direction. So that's something to definitely look at. Russ Westbrook is at 12,400. It's a lot for Russ, definitely. Uh, we know that, but you're, you talk about LeBron's consistency. Russell's lowest score in the last five has been 49 points. He probably won't achieve 5x value. He probably won't. But it's a good matchup for him. And at that sort of a price tag, even if he gets four and a half, it's not terrible assuming you've got the other value around him. So if you're looking to spend up and you've got the cash left, yeah, Westbrook's fine, but he's not a player that I start a lineup with. I wouldn't I wouldn't say let's lock in Westbrook at 12-7 and build around that because I just don't feel you're going to get the the preferred return on investment back. Now on DraftKings, he's at 12-7, so it's it's even more expensive. And yes, the scoring system does suit him over there, and he is averaging 61 over the last five. But even if he gets you 61, it's not quite going to be enough. Still like him, but he's, he's not an absolute must-lock-in player. Jeff Teague at 7,700. The Thunder recently have been quite restrictive against opposition point guards. So that's not something we normally associate with Westbrook, but it is happening recently. 7,700 for Teague just feels a little bit too high given the way that the, the paces are playing, given the way that this matchup seems to go. I'm not sure I want to spend that sort of money on, uh, on Jeff. My name is Jeff. At 7,100 for Jeff Teague, which is, which is what he is on DraftKings. Yeah, that's a little bit better. That I can see him being able to achieve. I look at that as more a GPP scenario without having full cash game reliability on it. At shooting guard, Oladipo's at 5,700. Had a monster 48-pointer today. Probably don't think he can put put up that again. But at 5,700, I feel pretty good that he can at least approach 30 points. He's at 56 on DraftKings. No problems. I think he's a very good play on both sides. Yes, he's had his ups and downs, but the guy's averaging 29 over the last five. If you get me 29 at 5,700, you're already coming out ahead. And this matchup is not a not a tough one uh, for him. I'm not thinking that you know, CJ Miles is coming out here and, and shutting down Victor Oladipo. Small forwards, Andre Robertson had a monster today. Obviously, he had put up 35 points. He's at 3,600. He just will not get to that level very often at all, so I'm not not looking to get back there. CJ Miles at 4,100. He's playing okay, but it's not translating into very high DFS points. He would be a GPP player to me, but that's that's strictly it. I couldn't trust him in cash. And as for Paul George, man, back at 8,800, no thank you. He had that nice little run, and his salary had come down to like 7,3, and you go, this is great. We can start smashing Paul George. At 8,800, you can pass on that till the cows come home. On DraftKings, where he's at 7,800, well, that brings it back into consideration. Go, okay, 7,800's fine. I think that we can look to use that. He is a mild positive coming up against the Thunder. He's averaging 41 in his last five. 
dipped in the last three to 35, but I think he's fine at 7,800. Just at 88 on Fangio, it's just a, it's just a write-off. You don't want anything to do with that. If we want to go by Billy Donovan's pattern, this is the game for Jeremy Grant to play big minutes. He's a minimum salary player, so you could absolutely take a punt on him in a tournament, but I'm not 100% convinced that that Donovan is strictly going by a rotational system. And if he is, that's probably the dumbest coaching I've ever seen. That's why I'm not... Because I think Donovan's actually a good coach. I'm not convinced that's what he's doing. That's just what the pattern has been. So we will see that with Jeremy Grant. But he is literally averaging nine points in the last five games. So he's been brutal. And you know why? Because he's he's not a good player at all. He's just not a good player. And that's why he's not getting minutes. But he's a minimum salary player that if this pattern holds and they're just rotating players through, it's his turn. And it might work out, which is all you're looking for, I guess, in GPP scenarios. Power forwards, Sabonis. Does he get 30 plus minutes again? He had 34 today and scored 13 points. It wasn't a great return. But as a minimum salary player, much like Grant, if you think they go back to Sabonis at 30 plus minutes, then it's then it's worthwhile. He's at 3,100 on drafting, so he doesn't need to do much there to really retain value. Um, a positive matchup for him as well. Yeah, no problem with consider- considering him a, a GPP option. I think you should absolutely be considering him as a GPP option. As for Thad Young at 5,700, if he happens to play, I don't think that there's massive upside there, but I think he's a decent cash play at that suppressed salary. It's not a very high salary, and he's getting so many steals. And at 54 on DraftKings, that's okay. Uh, Lavoy Allen, as I touched on already, would be huge if that is out. Miles Turner, at 6,500, has not really been hitting that number, and now he gets the Steve Adams defense. So that, to me, is somewhat of a stay away. As for Adams at 6,100, hasn't really been reaching 6,100's worth of value either, averaging just 26 over the last five. The minutes have been well up, averaging 37 in his last last three encounters. But 6,100 means you need 30-plus points. And he just isn't giving that on a consistent basis. Now, Adams is at 58 on DraftKings. So that's a price where I I am a little bit better with it. Get your double-double, get your bonus there, and get 34, 35 points. But he hasn't quite been at that level. So I'm not going with him with 100% confidence. And Joffrey Laverne, just throw him in the Sabonis and Jeremy Grant area. It could go off. It could not. We just literally have no idea what, um, what Billy Donovan is going to do with that center position at this point. Let's talk Los Angeles Lakers. They're taking on the New York Knicks. No spread currently out for this one at the moment. Derek Rose looks like he'll return. He's listed as probable, and Lance Thomas is questionable with that knee issue. Uh, Julius Randle should be back in the lineup for this one. Not saying he'll start and not saying he'll play a full allotment of minutes, but he'll be back and he'll be on the court to some degree. Point guards, D'Angelo Russell at 6,500, absolutely crushing it at the moment. And the Knicks are going back to being a team that is restricting what point guards can do. I still feel pretty good about D'Angelo Russell. That salary is up and it's making it a little bit harder to feel full confidence with him. But he's he's definitely not a guy to, to forget about. Now, on DraftKings at 7,000, you can almost forget about that. That's a $1,100 price rise. And I would not be feeling super confident about him achieving that level, although he is averaging 47 points over the last three. So consider him a GPP guy in DraftKings. I think in Fangio, you can go both ways, but the salary is pushing a little bit high. As for Derek Rose, no no business going with him at 6,500. That's the same price as Russell. And the output for Rose has been decidedly less. 
Jordy Clarkson, no interest, and Brandon Jennings has been crushing it. But he is a $6,500 point guard as well now. Yes, he's been putting up good numbers, but that's without Derek Rose. But even if you say, okay, well, he's going, say he was going to play the same minutes and Rose is out at 6,500. That, that, there's no value in that. So Jennings is just a guy that you go, it was a cool run. Let's, uh, let's move on from there now. He just isn't going to be able to have that sort of value at that sort of price. At shooting guard, there's a lot of yuck here. Uncle P, Courtney Lee, Justin Holiday. Yeah, none of those guys appeal. Lou Williams would be appealing, but he's at 6,300, and I have no faith in him getting enough minutes or enough points to put up that sort of a, a number. Now, he's averaging 31 across the last three, but you know what? At 6,300, 31 is not cutting it. And so he needs to be better than the crazy shooting that he's been putting on and the, and the huge usage he's been putting on, and I don't feel confident in Lou Williams being able to do that. So to me, he is a stay away. Speaking of stay aways, the small forward brigade, Luo Deng, Brandon Ingram, Mindaugas, Kuzminskis, Lance Thomas, none of those guys appeal to me. Mello at 8,100. If it said 7,100, I'd feel fine with it. 8,100 is not good for Carmelo Anthony. I, I don't think he struggled to get yeah, any, anywhere near that recently, averaging just 26 over the last three. Now, the Lakers matchup for him is a good one. So there is a chance that he gets to 40, but I feel like it's a long shot. So therefore, it's not going to be for me. At power forward. Percentage. Um, yeah, struggled, really struggled lately. He's at 6,600, does have a phenomenal record against the Lakers, averaging 44. Can he get to 6,600? I'm not fully invested in that. He absolutely has the upside and a GPP play could be good. And I think his uh, ownership will come out pretty low, but I'm not keen on it. He's at 67 on DraftKings, the same story. Not not a lot to really love at that price. Well, not a lot to love confidence-wise in terms of Let's uh, let's put this bloke in as, as a cash game player. I, I just don't see uh, at that sort of uh, expensive salary that that being the uh, that the best mode of action or the best uh, best path. Larry Nance had a big game in the last one, forty two points. He's at forty one hundred, so that looks like a great return. But with Randall coming back and Nance honestly playing thirty minutes once since he came back, and that was last game, and Luke Walton showing no inclination to actually give him more minutes. I'm not sure that I really feel keen on that happening again. Not that I feel I'd, I'd be happy for it to happen again. I'm just I just can't see that really going down. So him is out. Him is out. Bad English. Nance is out. Julius Randle, no chance of, uh, of of taking him either. The centers. Joachim Noah is out. It's time to uh, yeah, Jeff Hornacek at times got his cock out, but it's time for him to get to uh, unleash his willy. Bill Hernan Gomez. At 5,300, he's been crushing it. He's averaging 37 across his last three. He's at 52 on DraftKings where he's averaging 39. He is a player that you just go, in my cash game, here we go. Bill, you're in. Let's build around it. Now, it's Hornacek. So, what are the odds that Kylo Quinn starts? Pretty high. Pretty high, I think. I do feel more confidence in this than I have in anything else that Hornacek has really done in the front court. I feel that no matter what happens, no matter if they start Porzingis at center, no matter if they start O'Quinn at center, I feel that Hernan Gomez is going to be getting close to 30 minutes in this one. I feel pretty good about that, but I can't be sure because Hornacek does whatever is the opposite of common sense the majority of the time. If you want to go contrarian, go with O'Quinn and throw him in 4,100. Man, O'Quinn only needs 22 minutes to put up 30 points. 
We've seen that before, and he could easily get that. So he becomes a nice GPP option that very few people will be interested in. He is a 3,800 on DraftKings. So that is a, a sneaky way to go about it. The Lakers centers, Tariq Black, Tim Mozgov, Ivitz Zubats. Yeah, none of them are going to be worthwhile. I don't believe Zubats is possibly going to get squeezed out of the rotation if Randall's back playing. He's been playing very little at the moment, and Randall has not been playing. So that's been a disappointing uh, development from the Lakers' rotational point of view. Let's talk Philadelphia and the Detroit Pistons now. The Pistons are favored by 9.5, and the total is 213. Bob Cove should be back. He's probable. Joel Embiid won't play. He is doubtful. He he won't play. And Jali Okafor is questionable. So if we have both Embiid and Okafor out, it's going to be Nerlens Noel, but it's also going to be Rishon Holmes. And Holmes is a player who played fantastically in the last game. He doesn't have really the pathway to get huge minutes, which is unfortunate for him. But he is a name name to watch that you could consider but I wouldn't feel totally strongly about just because the chances of him getting 28 minutes is very minimal, but it's, but it's a situation to watch. Let's look at point guards. TJ McConnell is at 5,700 has not been producing to the level that a $5,700 player needs to. And the Detroit point guard defense has been a strength for them for the majority of the year. So that's not interesting to me, but on DraftKings, he comes in at 4,900. So that is, that's a situation that I can look at TJ McConnell go 4,900. Absolutely, I can I can use that, and I can feel relatively good about it. Now, a player I can't feel relatively good about is Reggie Jackson, who's having his minutes cut. His production's been terrible, and he's at six thousand one hundred. All of those things add up for, to me for me to say no, thank you. Now, Ish Smith, who's getting some of the, getting these extra Reggie Jackson minutes, he's a thirty nine hundred dollar player, and he's averaging twenty two points over the last three. You want to go cheap point guard in case they decide to go Ish against his former team and run him more minutes. I, w- I wouldn't tell you you're stupid to do it. And I definitely think that it could be used. And if you're playing on DraftKings where he comes in at 3,200, I think it's a really good play. You could easily get 20 points out of your Smith, which at 3,200 you know, sets you up to have Westbrook in there. Especially with this trend, the way things are going in Detroit, it's an, it's a very, very interesting and potentially viable strategy. At shooting guard, Sauce Castillo played 40 minutes in the last game. That gave him 24 points. So his points to minutes ratio is not ideal. But no, I can't even talk myself into that. Kentavious Caldwell Pope, 5,800. Two absolute turds in a row for KCP. Can he come out with a big one? Well, you only want to risk that in GPPs at this moment. Well, Gerald Henderson's nothing for us to care about. At small forward, Marcus Morris, two monsters in a row. 5,500 for Marcus gets a, a matchup, which is actually a negative because Robert Covington is a fantastic defender. He's averaging 33 across the last five, Marcus. The salaries jumped by 400. Our track record of Marcus Morris tells us that this can't be him, that he can't continue to do that. But I'm, I'm okay actually rolling the dice on him one more time and taking a look at it. Now, I hate that on DraftKings, he's jumped up by 600 bucks. That's not an ideal situation. But there's some value in, well, there's some value, there's some potential value in Marcus Morris. That's probably the best way of me, uh, me framing that. As for Bob Covert, 6,400, killing it before he got injured. Now he comes back to an, in, uh, a recovery from injury and a negative matchup. I don't want to spend 6,400 on Covington. He's at 58 on DraftKings, so I think there's great upside in that, in a GPP, especially at that, at that price tag. The tackle box, John Lua at 4,800. 
has been playing better, but it doesn't translate into DFS points, so I, I will leave him alone. Or Ursan Ilyasova has been crushing it. Yes, he's at 6,100, but I feel pretty good about using Ursan as even a cash game play. Um, if we look at him on DraftKings at 6,300, that that I'm not so keen about. Nerland's Noel at 5,600 has not been, and even if Jalil Okafor's out, I don't feel confident in Nerland's getting to that number, so I will, I will say that in general he is going to be a pass, and Sharich is just a guy that we would look at as a GPP player if we say that, that Okafor is out as well. Toby Harris really struggling, not spending any cash on him. At center, Andre Drummond at 8,500. Which Drummond are we getting? The one that's going to drop 60 or the one that drops 25? That's the problem with him. I think it's a great match. I know it's a great matchup for him. So he becomes an awesome GPP play and he becomes an absolute stay away to me in cash because you can't rely upon what Andre Drummond does. He's as up and down as they come, but this has got 50 written all over it. Makes him a great, uh, a great tournament guy. As for Okafor, he's at 4,600. If he happens to play, I don't even have full confidence of him being able to retain that sort of value. So that's a, that's a pass from me. Let's talk about the next game, the Utah Jazz. They're taking on the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks are favored by one and a half, and the total is 197.5. Now, maybe this is being a little bit obtuse. If the Falcons win the Super Bowl, do the Hawks, who are in Atlanta, obviously, but this is a game in Atlanta, do they go out um, and uh, you know just uh, get on it a little bit too much? Something to think about. They they might have the uh, the LA flu or the Miami flu by uh, by this game. That's uh, that's something to that's something to think about. Now, in general, this game's got a shit total. One ninety seven and a half is dreadful. It's the worst for the entire for the entire slate. There is a little bit of value in some of the players and some GPP upside for some guys. But I'm not. If the Falcons win, I'm not counting out a a uh, an ATL flu situation happening here. At point guard, Dennis Schroeder, monster in the last game, put up 39 points. The matchup here is what dictates me staying away against Utah. Utah has been very good defensively, but actually a player like Schroeder can have a a boost against them, given the the sort of stats that they do allow. I'm still not feeling totally comfortable about using him. But his opposite number, Georgie Hill, he's down to 5,800. He put up 30 in the last game. We know that playing the Hawks has been a gold mine for point guards. Not so much lately, but it's been a gold mine for them in general. I'd be okay with using George Hill at 5,800. Now, he comes in at 58 on DraftKings, where I'm not quite as sold there. And in fact, Dennis Schroeder's at 56 on DraftKings. So that is so much cheaper. And I've, even in the bad matchup, I feel really good about Schroeder at 5,600. I think he should be able to get that value back. The other shooting, or not the other, let's start with the shooting guards. Alec Burks is at 3,500. He's coming off a game where he scored five points. But with the absence of Rocket Rodney Hood, there is a chance that Burks gets some extra minutes. So I think that Burks, there's not many cheap shooting guards around on this slate that, that I feel good about. Burks has got that chance to be a 20-point scorer here. At 3,500, that's not bad. He's at 34 on DraftKings, the same story. He could easily have a good game against this team, slot into some backup point guard and shooting guard minutes, Definitely just GPP only, but he becomes a, a decent guy to target. Timmy Hardaway crushing it. Now, if Tarbo is out, he's interesting. He's averaging 32 across the last three, Timmy, and he's priced at 5,200. So 5,200, I really do like Tim Hardaway Jr. 
at that price tag. Now, on DraftKings, is at 55, so it's a little bit of an elevation, but if Cephalosha is out, I'd feel pretty good about going back to Tim at that salary. I understand that there is a lot of variance in what he does, and that makes him a risky proposition for cash, but I, I wouldn't totally rule him out in the scenario that Tarbo is out. Otherwise, he just is strictly a GPP guy. Small forwards, Tarbo, Joe Ingles. There's just no upside with those guys. I can't see them being interesting, but I'm not not off Joe Johnson. He's at 3,700. He's getting a lot of minutes. He's playing at the four. He's playing at the three. He's averaging 24 across the last three games at 3,700. That's fine. It's a good matchup for Joe. He is back in Atlanta. Um... I'm okay with Joe Johnson at 3,700. I think there's value in that. I think that can be a really, really good play. And and it might be a, one of those cheap ones that actually turns a, a DFS or a GPP tournament in your direction. He's at 38 on DraftKings as well. The same story heading over there. Gordo Haywood is at 7,600. I feel pretty good about that. He dropped 46 against the Hornets the last game out. Yeah, Gordo should be getting 36 or 37 most nights. Now, he is at 74 on DraftKings. Still don't think it's a it's a write-off there. There's there's value in, in Gordon Haywood at that sort of a price tag. Kent Bazemore is at 4,900. I'd rather spend the 300, honestly, on Tim Hardaway Jr., the extra 300. Bazemore has been okay, but not enough to make me say that that's a cash game play because it's far from it. Is he an upside tournament guy? Yes, especially on DraftKings where he comes in at 4,400. He can be a tournament player. The power forwards, Paul Millsaps at 7,900. He is up and down, really. He had 33 points in the last game. He's averaging 33 across the last five. But in the last five games, he's had a 13-pointer and a 71-pointer, which was that quadruple, quintuple, quadruple, quadruple. Yeah, four overtimes. Quadruple overtime game against the Knicks. 7,900 for Millsap is fine, but I would look at it more as a tournament situation. I just don't feel good about him getting... 40 points on a regular basis. Now, he comes in at 6,900 on DraftKings. Giggity! That's a good price. And that's a price where I can say, you know what? I feel good about Paul Millsap in cash in, in that sort of a situation. Uh, Derek Favors, no thank you. At center, Rudy Gobert at 7,900. He's been putting up big numbers, Rudy. But 7,900 is a lot to spend for him. So I'm not, not sure I'm totally involved there. But at 71 on DraftKings, yeah, that's good. At 7,100, yes, the Dwight Howard defense is a little bit of a concern, but not really. 7,100, there's enough value to play around with there for Gobert that I can see him being a useful player. As for Howard, 7,400 on Fangio, and he gets the Gobert defense, which is a concern for anybody. Howard is a stay away for me. Now, he comes at 68 on DraftKings. Still, I, um, yeah, I'm still not thinking that that's going to be a, a tip-top investment. Let's go on to the next game now. We're talking about the Los Angeles Clippers and the Toronto Raptors. No spread currently released. We don't know the status of Pat Patterson or DeMar DeRozan for the uh, for the Raptors. Obviously, if DeRozan's out, Norm Powell is in. Now, he's at 4,800. I still think that that's worth looking at if DeRozan happens to be out, but it's not as no-brainer-ish as what it was earlier on. And at 5,500 on DraftKings, that is that is not appealing to me, despite, um, or even if DeMar DeRozan is out. Now, for the point guards, I assume that Ray Felton goes back to starting after that one-game Paul Pierce interruption. 4,700 for Ray. No problem with using him. And don't expect 35-plus, but expect 25-plus, which at 4,700 definitely works out in your favor. As for Kyle Lowry, he's a $9,000 player. He had a triple-double today, but 
and he didn't even get to 45 points. So that that's a, that's a high salary for Kyle. And I do think that you can spend $9,000 in a better way than spending it on him. He's at 89 on DraftKings. The same story. I just, in this sort of a matchup, coming off a 39-pointer in a back-to-back, I think you can do better than uh, spending 9000 on Kyle Lowry. Now, Austin Rivers, the other point guard listed here, has been struggling. He's at 5900 He had 13 points today. The matchup is not conducive to a big one. That salary is too high. 61 on DraftKings as well. That's a, that's a no-go zone. DeMar DeRozan, 8900 If he plays, hate it on Fangio. DeMar DeRozan, 7600 on DraftKings. If he plays, really like it. If he plays, of course. There's such a big discrepancy on his price between sites. JJ Reddick's at 4,900, has really shit the bed lately. He's got some tournament upside, but that's about it. But Jamal Crawford has been definitely playing above him. Still just a tournament guy for a lot of the reasons I highlighted earlier. Just talking about his shooting percentage, which is completely unsustainable, given what we know about uh, Jamal. At small forward, Damari Carroll's at 3,700. Really good matchup for him. It is a back-to-back. Can he play the minutes? I think if DeRozan is out, he will be a tournament guy. If DeRozan is in, he'd still be a tournament guy, but not a high pri- not a high priority guy. Terry Ross at thirty six hundred really gets the bump. If um if Carroll is out, not Carroll. If uh, if DeRozan is out, he gets a little bit of extra run, but strictly just a tournament type of play for him as well. At power forward, Blake Griffin nine thousand two hundred for Blake. It's pretty expensive. He's at 88 on DraftKings, still pretty expensive, but I don't mind the 88 on DraftKings. I think there's a little bit of value to be had, had there with him, and I think you should be looking at at least 40-plus from him, but you need more than 40. The matchup is is a decently positive one. It's not great, but it's okay. So I, I do think that Blake is, is worth looking at if you're spending up cash uh, at the power forward position. He can be one of those players that, uh, that gives that value back. Centers. Jonas Valanciunas, 6,100. The matchup against DeAndre Jordan is a worrisome one, so I don't think that I want to spend... No, I know that I don't want to spend 6,100 on JV. He's at 58 on drafting, so that's a little bit better. Double-double uh, bonus might help him there as well. I don't think it's a high-priority one. I don't think it's a lock. I don't think it's a play of the day or anything along those lines, but it's it's solid, especially if Patrick Patterson happens to be out. Now, DeAndre Jordan's at 7,000 on DraftKings, pretty cheap. Didn't really get it done against Boston today, but the 7000 bucks I think is totally fine against Toronto to consider using him. At 76 on uh, on Fangio, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling it at that sort of a price. I think you can spend that money in better ways. And Bebe's at 4000 hasn't really been putting up big lines. If Patterson is out, I would consider him a GPP guy, but I also wouldn't feel fantastic about securing him into a cash lineup. Let's talk about the next game now. We've got the Phoenix Suns and the New Orleans Pelicans uh, facing off. The Pals are favored by five, and the total is 221, which is the highest total of the entire day. Dragon Bender is questionable with that ankle situation. That's not going to impact us too much, I don't believe. At point guard, Drew Holiday is at $8,000. He's been fantastic. He gets a matchup, which is a significant positive for him, going up against the Suns. But $8,000 on Drew Holiday? I'm not sure that that is the the smartest way to spend eight thousand dollars on this uh, on this day. He's at seventy nine on DraftKings. Sure, you can put him in a tournament, but I do not feel great about it. Eric Bledsoe at ninety three. I feel less great. I would definitely be taking Drew Holiday 
over Eric Bledsoe, saving myself $1,300. And that would be the, I would definitely go Drew over him. I would not have Bledsoe in any cash lineups and I would struggle to have him in a tournament lineup just at that price tag when you could go with Drew, who's got very similar upside, if not, if not equal upside uh, at that cheaper price. Not, not good options, I don't believe. At shooting guard, well, I don't know what Elvin Gentry is going to do because he seems to change it all the time. Each one more, Tyreek Evans, Buddy Heald. Evans had a big one in the last game, had 23 points, but he's still priced at 4,900. So 23 points doesn't cut it at that salary. So he's not really going to be a DFS option, irrespective of what Gentry does. Each one more is 3,900. He has the occasional big game. It doesn't happen often, but he does. I love it on DraftKings, how is it 3,400? Of course, it's a GPP-only scenario, but he did have a 30-plus point game in his last five. And that, at 3,400, would definitely work in your favor. Uh, Buddy Heald is not someone that I'm uh, really all that keen on. Devin Booker, we know we know what Devin Booker is now. He's a 20-point scorer that's going to get you over 30 in DFS every game. He is at 7,100. The matchup for him is positive. I don't think you should have any qualms about putting Devon in and getting 33 or 34 points. That's pretty much what he's going to do every night. And at that sort of a salary, that's a pretty handy thing to rely upon. At small forward, TJ Warren, big minutes in the last game, 37 minutes, 28 points, 4,200. Are we ready to trust him yet? I'm not, but I'm feeling a little bit better about considering him for a GPP situation. He's at 43 on DraftKings as well, where he had 28 in that last game. He definitely has some uh, some upside there, but not 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 great fade. Now, just something I should have touched on earlier, Eric Bledsoe talked about him a lot. On DraftKings, he's at 7,900. That's ridiculous value. Now, that becomes a good play. Not the 9,300 on Fangio. 7,900 for Bledsoe on DraftKings is crazy value. So I don't think that, He's an absolute must-play lock-in core guy, but that is great value at 7900 and he should be in lots of lineups at that sort of a price tag. Where was I? Oh, PJ Tucker. The last time that the um, Pelicans played the Suns, PJ Tucker guarded Anthony Davis, played a ton of minutes, and really shut him down. Will he get seven steals like he got the last game that he played when he had 32 points? Eh, probably not. At 4700 is he a high upside guy? No. Can he be used in cash? I don't think you should be shying away. Now, at 49 on DraftKings, I'm not feeling overly confident about it. But 4,700 on Fangio, I wouldn't hate putting him into a cash lineup and go, just get me a 25, and that might be enough because I think he's going to get a lot of minutes in this game. Solomon Hill and Dante Cunningham aren't worth discussing. Power forwards, Marquise Chris, 3,600. Love it. I don't know if he's going to have an absolute turd burger, if the fouls are going to bother him, but he had 38 in the last game. He's averaging 22 over his last five, which at 3,600 is great value. He becomes an awesome GPP guy, and I might even lean towards cash at that 3,600. Now, on DraftKings, where he comes in at 4,000, it's a little bit harder to use him in cash, but I don't think it's a total write-off. I think that you can consider him the problem... The problem. That's not a word. The problem is is Anthony Davis might get him into foul trouble. And that could limit him to 15 or 16 minutes. Because I think without foul trouble, he's going to play 25 minutes. And that would obviously be a a pretty good, valuable play for him. Terrence Jones at 5,500 has not been reaching those heights with Davis in the lineup. 
Yeah, you can look at him, but I, I don't really feel like it's a confident play. When Anthony Davis at 11,300, Davis, yeah, he was guarded pretty well by PJ Tucker in the last one, but I still feel pretty good about getting 50 points out of Anthony Davis. It doesn't really bother me that Tucker could be on him. 10,300 for him on DraftKings is a very, very good price. No, no real concerns with Anthony Davis. At center, Tyson Chandler only played 25 minutes in the last game. His production has been down. He's at 5,400. I don't feel that's a terrible price. He's at 51 on DraftKings. I can easily see him bouncing back and putting up value to exceed that that sort of a, a price. All right, let's move on to the next game now. Where are we? We've got the Miami Heat, the surging Miami Heat, taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are favored by one, and the total is 207 here. We don't know the status of Chris Dunn. For the uh, for the Wolves, we don't know the status of Scooter Magruder for Miami. Not that that impacts much, but it does give maybe Dion Waiters two to three extra minutes if Magruder is out. If Dunn is out, it really boosts the appeal of Tyus Jones, who we saw play at shooting guard for big stretches of the second half of the last game without Zach Levine around. Let's talk point guards. Tyler Johnson is at 5,800, has been playing fantastically since he returned. I think the, there is a, an argument to be made for using Tyler Johnson here. I don't think it's a, a strong argument. But there is an argument you could say, oh, yeah, I can I can see why we'd use Tyler Johnson. At 5,300 on DraftKings, I think there's some pretty good ups, upside there and also some pretty decent reliability at 5,300. So that makes him not a bad cash play. The other uh, starting point guards, Rick Rubio at 7,000. I, I despise that price tag going up against Miami. And Goran Dragic at 8,100. It's too high. I can't see either of those plays being worth it. Now, let's go down to Tyus Jones, who's a minimum salary play. If Dunn is out, why wouldn't you throw Jones into a GPP in, that, in case they go in the direction of playing him over Brandon Rush? I'm not 100% convinced that they do that, but it's absolutely a, po- a possibility. We saw him score 20 points, 26 points sorry, in that last game where he played the bulk of the second half. Shooting guards. Let's talk Dion Waiters. He's at $7,200 now, waiters, on FanDuel. I know he's been playing well. I just cannot, I cannot see 7200 being the smart money. 69 on DraftKings, he's averaging 41. He, he's crushing it. You would look at him as a GPP guy. I could not say that for cash. I cannot say that Dan Waiters is going to be this great cash guy. Brandon Rush is up to 4600 he could easily smash through that. You know, he had 30-point games the last time when Levine was out. But 4,600 takes him away from being a flyer that I want to put in all lineups to being someone that I say, yeah, maybe, maybe you look at it. On DraftKings at 3,600, yeah, some definite GPP upside there. But I don't like the fact that they've taken him so far away from minimum salary, um, especially when he had eight points in that first game. I think he'll be way better than that, and that's why I would consider him a GPP guy, but I'm not confident enough to use him in cash lineups. At small forward, Wigo is at 7,400. He is always, to me, just going to be a GPP guy, but this matchup is far from strong. So he's probably, if you've got other options in GPPs, I would go that direction. And Shabazz Muhammad at 4,700. Well, we thought that he could have an increased role. It wasn't really the case in the last game. He played 26 minutes, and in fact, over the last three, he'd been averaging 27. So he played less. He scored just 16 points and his salary has risen by $600. All of that adds up to me to say, no thanks, Shabazz. He can score, but he can't do anything else. So that really limits what he can do from a DFS point of view. 
Our power forward, James Johnson at 6,100. Um, really disappointing performance in the last game, but I feel okay about him. I don't feel great about locking him into cash. At 5,500 on DraftKings, I do. I think that's a great price, and I, I would consider it in cash, but I wouldn't on FanDuel where it's at 6,100. While Gorgie Jeng is at 56, I like Gorgie Jeng's upside here. He has had a couple of stinkers, but he could easily go out and have two steals, two blocks, and get a double-double and go over 30 points. He's at 51 on DraftKings, but I'd lean more GPP than uh, cash. Carl Anthony Towns at 10200 a $200 salary drop. The, the matchup against Whiteside... Might not be ideal for him, but I don't think it's a terrible one for for him. I think he can go out there and put up some good numbers, uh, and I think it's fine at ten thousand two hundred. As for Whiteside at eighty eight hundred, smashed it in the last game, put up fifty seven points. There is that the turnaround that Whiteside needed. I'm not a hundred percent convinced of that, but he is definitely worth looking at. He should be a GPP play. And on DraftKings at eight thousand one hundred, I wouldn't feel like it's a terrible move to even consider him in cash on DraftKings. On Fangio, that extra salary makes it a makes it a little bit of a harder scenario. All right, let's talk Dallas. They're taking on the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are favored by two and a half, and the total is two hundred and thirteen point five points here. Darren Williams is questionable to return for Dallas, while Devin Harris is probable with an illness. If Darren Williams plays, then we can say goodbye to Yogi Ferrell. I imagine now they might play Williams off the bench, but one thing I can be almost sure of is that Yogi Ferrell will not play 37 minutes. They won't bring Darren Williams back and say, all right, Darren, you're going to come off the bench now, but you're getting 11 minutes. It's more likely to be a 20-28 split if that's what they do. And I can see them going back to Darren and giving him 30 and Yogi playing the 20-minute role off the bench. So if Darren's out, then Yogi Ferrell, it's all all aboard. Now, the problem with Yogi Ferrell is his salary is up to 5,600 on Fangio. So it's a big, big jump. So how much value does he actually have at that increased salary? He's 6,000 on DraftKings. And yes, he's been smashing it. But remember, his averages are definitely skewed by the last game where he went 9 of 11 from 3, which has got no chance of happening again. So yeah, he's averaging 36 across the last three, but that's because he scored 46 in the last game that came on 9 of 11 shooting. At $6,000, I do not see the upside in Yogi Ferrell if Williams is out. And if Williams plays, it is just setting your money on fire after you've shit on it. That's that's where it, it, it lies to me. And I like Yogi Ferrell, but that's too high. As for Darren, he's at 6,200. I wouldn't want to use him, even if he plays at, at that sort of a salary. On the nugget side of things, uh, Manny Moody, I didn't mention, he is questionable with that back issue. If he is out, then we go with Jameer Nelson at 4,700. If Manny plays, then neither him nor Nelson, nor really Jamal Murray, uh, are going to be awesome awesome options. Now, Murray's not a bad one at 3,800. He's averaging 22 across the last three, sorry, 22 across the last five. Um, but I would only look as a GPP guy. I just don't feel the consistency's there for him. Wes Matthews was monstrous against Portland. He's at 5,600. I like the matchup for him. I would only look as, as a GPP though. While Farton, Will Barton and Gaz Harris, just not, not certain about those guys being uh, valuable. Seth Curry is also up to 6,000. Seth's been great. You know that. But he's averaging 30 points over the last five. And at $6,000, that's that's exactly where it needs to be. So is there any upside left, left in Seth? Probably not. So I'm not sure he makes a spectacular addition. 
to a roster, he could be fine, but I would lean towards GPPs more with Seth Curry at this point. The small forwards, the Roosters out for the next 10 days. So Wilson Chandler, despite having a turd in the last one, but remember, all the Nuggets players were very limited in the last game due to minutes being dipped as Mike Malone just threw in the towel halfway through the third. 6,200 for Wilson Chandler. I think that's fine. I think he's going to have a big opportunity to put up a big game. He's at 6,000 on DraftKings, so I don't feel too much worry there. The pencil Harrison Barnes at 6,500. Um, I like the matchup for Barnesy, but I'm, I'm just not sure that they feel that's reliable enough at that sort of a salary, so I reckon you could go elsewhere in cash. I still think that he's a decent, uh, a decent tournament type of a player. Power forwards, Dirk, 5,400. Not for me, sorry, Dirk. Well, Nikola Jokic is at 10,900. I think that that's too high for Nikola Jokic. On DraftKings, he's at 9,000. Now, that is fine. That is no worries. Now, the the Mavericks do reduce outputs from centers. They do play at a slower pace in general. But 9,000 for Jokic is fine. 11,000, which he basically is on FanDuel, is not ideal. And I would not be using him at 11,000 over on Fangio. You can do better. Darrell Arthur did not play in the last game. He could come back, but there's not much to really see there. Well, Ken Fareed at 69, too high. Too high with Jokic back. No chance that you should be using Kenneth Fareed at that sort of a salary. Salah Mejri, he could have a big game. I like the upside for Salah in um, in tournaments. 3,600 on DraftKings as well. He could easily get you 25. And he doesn't have to have as monstrous a game as when he had that 42-pointer the other day. But I, I like Mejri as a GPP guy, but you can't rely upon him because they could also go with Dwight Powell and play him big minutes. But in general, I think it's going to be Mejri. So he does have some GPP upside there. All right, we've got two games to go now to round out today's podcast. The San Antonio Spurs and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Spurs are favored by two and a half, and the total is 202. I'm surprised the total is actually this high in this game, to be honest. This is a game that is not screaming fantasy value really at all. Spurs versus Grizzlies, there's not a lot, especially when we look at the pricing on Fangel. It's not ideal. Let's start with the point guards. Mike Conley's at 7,600. Love Mike Conley. I don't think that he's going to be able to put up enough value to pay back that salary in a matchup against the Spurs. So I'd pass there. 4,400 for Tone Parker is is great. He had a nice game in the last one, but that's not, not the case here. Conley on DraftKings at 6,700. I feel all right about that. I think there's value in using Conley there, and I wouldn't shy away from him, even in cash, if that's what you need to do. That price dip is significant, and and it's, it's pay, worth paying attention to. The shooting guards, Tony Allen's at 4,300. He just, with everyone back, he's just not going to be able to achieve that level. He's at 4,000 on DraftKings as well. I just don't feel great about that. I also don't think that Manu Ginobili is going to put up 22 points in 10 minutes, which is what he did in the last game. He's at 3,400. Sure, you can take a punt on him, but in a Memphis matchup, yeah, I don't expect Ginobili to be able to repeat those feats two games in a row. So that's a, that's a none, no from me. The small forward situation, Kawhi Leonard's at 9,700. It's expensive for Kawhi, but you feel pretty good about him getting at least 45, and that's not bad at that sort of a price tag. At 84 on DraftKings, it's great, and he would probably be, and I don't normally put high-priced guys as a lineup lock, but at 8,400, I feel really good about just going, okay, Kawhi, you just come in here and help me anchor this thing. He would be one of those guys that probably not my first three or four in, but maybe my fifth or sixth guy in, fit him in and let's work around it. And then if I need to take him out later, I do it. Not an absolute, 
these are my th- normally I have two or three guys that these guys have to be in. I'm not sure he'd be in that, but he'd be in one of those um, lineups that this is my main core. Let's build around it. I think that's probably the best way of looking at uh, at Kawhi Leonard there. Uh, Chandler Parsons should be back. Now, he had 25 minutes in the last game, which is positive. At 3,500, it's minimum salary. Clearly, can you take a risk on Chandler? I don't think you, I don't think you would, um, especially in this matchup with Kawhi going on him. So maybe if it was a different scenario, we'd, uh, we'd look at it in a different way. Davis Bertans is getting some minutes at the four. He's at 3,700. He's not really converting it into production, so I don't think we need to go down that route. Jermichael Green was a monster in the last game. He's at 4,100. He put up 41 points. Great, fantastic, brilliant. But it was a game without Marcus Gasol. I don't imagine that Green is able to get back to that level, so he will be someone that I will stay away from. And Zach Randolph's at 6,200. Again, with Gasol back, that's a lot of money for Zebo, so I will not be spending it on him there. Um, same story for these guys on DraftKings. Is they're a little bit cheaper, Zebos at fifty-seven, but I still don't feel greatly confident that he's going to be able to get back to that sort of a level. As for Marcus Sol, eight thousand nine hundred. It's so expensive. Yes, he had fifty-three the last time he played, but in a matchup against the Spurs, eight thousand nine hundred is not for me. Seventy-three hundred on DraftKings is fine. I should feel pretty good about Marcus Sol getting to forty points, so I feel good about using Marcus Sol at seventy-three hundred. At 8,900, you can stick that fair up your ass. Dwayne Dedman, 3,900. He started the last couple of games, but I just don't see him in a matchup against Marcus Gasol being able to repay that value back to us. Let's round it out now with the last game of the night, the Chicago Bulls taking on the Sacramento Kings. What are we going to see from the Bulls? Well, nobody knows. That's that's the problem. Now, Jim Butler is questionable with the heel. If he is out, do they go back to Michael Carter-Williams and play him 31 minutes? Who knows? Do they keep Carter-Williams as the starting point guard? I don't know. These are all things that Fred Hoiberg could do. Could we see Paul Zipser starting? I don't know. Kit Gilchrist, not Kit Gilchrist, the other hyphen name, Carter-Williams, is a guy that I think that they might keep as the starting point guard, regardless of Butler's status. But I don't know that. I don't know what Hoiberg is going to do. It's what they should do. I know what they should do. Whether they do it or not, that hasn't always correlated or really ever correlated with this uh, current iteration of the Chicago Bulls. Let's talk point guards, though. Darren Collison's at 4,800. Who knows what we're going to get? He's got a great matchup. I do like him in tournaments at 4,800. That is a good price, and he's the same price over on DraftKings. I don't feel confident about him in cash. Ty Lawson at 45. I don't really even feel confident about him in tournaments, to be honest. As for the Bulls, we would look at Carter Williams if they said that he was starting, but we just don't know that at this point, so that would be the way that I would would like to look at him. Um, Shooting guards, Dwayne Wade at 7,800. I have zero confidence in Dwayne Wade giving me that value back, and he's at 75 on DraftKings. That, to me, is just a no, not at all. And Ben McLemore is getting a little bit of extra playing time. He's at 3,600. He dropped 19 in the last game. He's getting some extra run with all these players out in Sacramento. It's the Bulls. Random wings go off. Tabasefalosha, for example. Is Ben McLemore a random enough wing to go off? Sure. Sneaky tournament play of the day for me is Ben McLemore. Maybe I should introduce that as a segment. McLemore is the guy that I would put in, not if I was doing single entry, but if I had multiple lineups, McLemore would come in and I imagine he would have very low ownership and he could swing it with a 25-pointer. He could do that. But it's it's long-shot territory, obviously. 
The small forwards, Matty Barnes at 3,800. Now, I feel like he is going to be a real core play for me at that sort of a price. The minutes have been well up for him in the last couple. Now, on DraftKings, they've reacted and bumped him to 4,900, so he's not really a core over there. But if you look at him at 3,800 on Fangel, then he pretty much has to be. As for Butler at 9,500, I'd rather spend that money on Kawhi Leonard, to be honest. But if Butler is fine to go, absolutely, he's worth a look in a matchup against the Kings, but I don't feel 100% confident with it. He's at 91 on DraftKings as well, which is all right, but it's not uh, it's not brilliant. As for Paul Zipser, he's at 3,800. He had 22 points in the last game. If Butler's out, I wouldn't feel terrible about looking at Zipser. I wouldn't feel great about it, though, either. Taj Gibson at 5,000. Great bump against the Kings power forwards. Cristiano Felizio is out for a week, so Taj is going to have to play some more center. He's at 5000 bucks. I think it's a great cash play for Taj. 4900 on DraftKings, no problem with him whatsoever. I think he's a really good option. And Will Cauley-Stein at 3600 Getting the minutes, getting the production, 3600 is a cheap price. 3000 on DraftKings. Why wouldn't you put Willie Cauley-Stein in and get 20, 24 points, which he can do because he got 26 in the last one, and it's the Bulls. Um, yeah, I think there's some value in Willie Cauley-Stein, which is not something I thought I'd be saying at this point in the season. Now, does Nikola Mirotic get a bump with Cristiano Felicio out? In common sense world, he would, but that's not where the Bulls necessarily live. He's at 3,800, but I do think that he's a tournament upside guy. The guy dropped 28 points in 17 minutes in the last game, and he can do that. And there are some extra minutes. As Taj plays more at the five, someone has to fill in Taj's minutes at the four. And hopefully it's Mirotic over Portis. And that could definitely work in his favor to get over that 3,800 price tag, which is just ludicrously low. So I do like Miritich as a GPP sort of a guy. With Felicio out, Robin Lopez is at 4,700. Now, the problem with Lopez here is he's taking on DeMarcus Cousins. But at 4,700, I think he can exceed 26 points, and that makes him a useful player. He's at 43 on DraftKings. I definitely think he can bring back value there. Now, as for Boogie, he can destroy the Bulls. He's $11,000. No problem with considering Boogie in any sort of format at 10-9 on DraftKings. No worries. He can he could get to 60 against the Bulls without really um without really pushing it too hard, I believe. Alright, let's wrap up this Super Bowl Sunday edition of the podcast, which most of you will be listening to on Monday. The picks of the day. Fangel, Darren Collison at 48, Georgie Hill at 58, and Russ Westbrook at 12, 4. At shooting guard, Alec Burks, 35. Victor Oladipo, 57. The small forwards, Matty Barnes at 38. Wilson Chandler, 62. And Kawhi Leonard, 96. At power forward, Marquise Chris, 36. Taj Gibson, 5,000. And Tony Davis, 11-3. At center, Robin Lopez, 47. Bill Hearn and Gomez, 53. And Drummond at 85. On DraftKings, each one more, 34. Eric Bledsoe, 79. And Russ at 12-7. Alec Burks at 34. Devin Booker at 69. The small forwards, TJ Warren, 43, Wilson Chandler, 6,000, and Kawhi at 8,400. The power forwards, DeMontis Sabonis, 31, Paul Millsap, 69, and Carl Anthony Towns, 10-1. And at center, Willie Cauley-Stein, 3,000, Billy Hernan Gomez, 5,200, and Willie Drummond. No, just didn't fit in. Andre Drummond, 8,300. Let's go to the Aussie sites now. On Moneyball, Ish Smith at 38, George Hill at 54, and Johnny Wall at 10.5. The shooting guards, Alec Burks, 35, and Bradley Beal, 7,000. At Small Ford, Matt Barnes, 39, and Wilson Chandler, 57, and Paul George, 82. Power Ford's Marquise Chris, 4,000. Porzingis at 6,000, and Blake at 84. 
and the centers. Willie Cauley-Stein, 35. Billy Hernan Gomez, 53. And Andre Drummond, 8,400. Draft stars, they don't have their contests up yet, so I couldn't give you any draft stars picks. But if you head across to Basketball Monster, once the salaries are up and once the contests are up, I'll do my uh, do my picks over on the Basketball Monster site. We are done for today, guys. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Isaiah Thomas.